Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, and Sandy. Come see us, 10905 South Automall Drive. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line, lease any phone, and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, the general manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck, with us on The Big Show. Hi, Justin. How are you? I'm good, Jake. How are you guys? Hey, we are doing terrifically well. Uh, one day after the trade deadline, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Tell us kind of what that process was like for you this year. So we've been, I've been here a few years, and the process is, you know, always the same with us is be available and uh, look at whatever else comes with the market, as you, as you guys are well aware that any transactions involves another party and, um, you know, we were involved earlier in the season. Most of the NBA is a deadline league um, with having a specific date for the trade deadline. But, you know, we kind of made our big move, you know, almost two months ago with acquiring Jordan Clarkson and wanted to use that opportunity to get him in here early. So we had the benefit of integrating him into the team and more games to affect and have an impact for us, uh, which has gone very well. Um, and up until the deadline, if there was anything that we thought that could improve our roster um, and made sense for us short-term and long-term, then we would be available to do it. But through those conversations, there were just nothing that made sense. Um, the Millers have always given us uh, great support of any moves that we want to make to improve the team, but uh, just didn't seem like there was anything that really made sense for us at this time, above just and beyond you- what we did with Jordan. Yeah. Do you have a system in place? Uh, do you, I guess uh, the way to ask it is, do you pre-think various possibilities so that if they do become available, you, you, you don't have to scramble to think about it? Absolutely. That goes with anything that, you know, we do, whether it's free agency, it's the draft, um, you know, our pro personnel department led by Bart Taylor, our, our, uh, College scouting department with Walt Perrin. Uh, it's a constant flow in the front office of information for us and trying to determine markets if it's free agency or trades, uh, other teams' needs, uh, studying other teams and how their seasons are going, constant conversations, uh, really even when you don't need anything or want to talk about a specific thing, but um, the relationships that you have with the other heads of NBA teams, and then all on down. All of those bits of information that we're getting allows us to be prepared. So inevitably, as you've said, Gordon, in a, in a trade deadline, you know, there's something that another team may not operate the way we do, um, and they think of something last minute. Now, whether we've actually thought about that specific iteration, um, we're ready to have a quick response um, Rather than sitting there and like, oh, I didn't think of that. We we try to study the league every single minute and every single day. Justin Zanuck, general manager of the Jazz, with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, Justin, uh, your team has uh, dropped five in a row now. And, of course, fans uh, and media alike can sometimes ride the roller coaster a little bit. When you're general manager and your job is to keep your eye on the long term as well as the short term, how do you react from short-term struggles like a five-game losing streak? So, as you guys know, losing isn't very fun. Um, there are tough stretches during every season, um, sort of the ebb and flow of the NBA. And we've obviously this year already experienced some, both the highs and lows through these first 50 games, winning 19 to 21, and now losing five straight. Um, you never want to re- overreact or react um, prematurely. It's all pieces, again, of data points coming in results, how we play, um, what's needed, uh, all go into that. So, you know, while it's never fun to, you know, not play well or be on the wrong side of a, a result, you also have to keep in mind of, of uh, what's good for the team. And, and as Quinn has echoed, you know, the results get to show us in the mirror of what we need to do. And there are times that we have played very, very well. 
this year, and there are times we haven't played very well, uh, including this stretch. And uh, But the character of our group, I think, will help us get us through this tough stretch. Um, we need to play with more force and precision. Our guys know that, and we'll continue to work towards that as we've integrated you know, pieces back into the lineup, uh, new additions with Jordan, um, you know, some schedule things and just being able to play the way other teams are playing us. And it's a constant adjustment throughout the season. So we'll get through it and um, we'll see. The other good thing about the NBA is usually you don't have to wait more than a couple of days to play again. So <laughs> I'm happy that we get a home game with our great fans tonight. You know, it's interesting to me, Justin, that in some cases, I'm sure you consider all this stuff. You don't just look at how talented a player is. You look at the fit, right? And you look at how it's all going to come together. And you make a deal for Jordan Clarkson, and it seems as though he had an immediate impact where he helped your team right off the bat. And then you have cases like Mike Conley where it takes more time for it to be uh, incorporated. Uh, is that something that you give a lot of thought to? And, or maybe does that cause you some heartburn sometimes? Well, I mean, none of our games are played on Stratomatic or on paper. You know, you can assemble you know, what you think is fit, what you think is talent but you're dealing with a human element of anything. And sometimes, you know, we, I think that we always strive to have great process and um, make the decisions with, you know, great support, as I've told you from our ownership group and from our coaching staff. And then you've got to put it together and then you've got a season and you've got other things that you can't control, like how another team plays. We can work on the things that we need to be better at and focus on that. Like I said before, the, the character of the group and that integration, um, it take, it's taken time. Um, but these guys care about each other. They, they care about the results. They care about um, they want to compete. They want to win. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get into parts of the season where winning gets difficult. And it's, it's always hard to win in the NBA. And you get through these stretches. And, you know, our team has responded time and time again. Uh, since Q has been here, and I have no doubt that that will be the you know the result going forward. What was your and reaction? Then we'll find out from then we'll find out from those results, you know, where we kind of stand in in the ranks of the NBA. And that's kind of what you did last off season, right? I mean, after you saw what happened in the playoffs, it seems like I remember Dennis, and maybe you said it too, Justin, that uh, that y- y- your lesson was that you needed to make some adjustments. Sure, I, I you know. The league is constantly changing. Gordon, you've covered the NBA and the Jazz for a long time, and um, whether it's style of play, salary cap explosion, player movement, new rules, um, how coaches and players interact, off-season training, all of these different elements are constantly changing, no constants in the NBA. So, you know, even with just roster construction, um, results to tell you within that specific season or a couple seasons what happens and that change is needed and you and you know it's going to be a different season every year with new players and new opponents and new styles of play and just being constantly try to be proactive enough to to be able to prepare for that but again we're dealing with the human element and competition and nightly results that over a course of a season will tell us where we stack up. Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Justin, two of your, of your guys are going to Chicago to play in the All-Star game with Rudy and Donovan. On top of, uh, you know, acknowledgement uh, of their great play, does it does it mean something extra for maybe a small market to get the recognition? Uh, if you win, you'll get that you'll get that love. That's the bottom line. I think, you know, winning and, and producing and Donovan and Rudy have been so great with their, their teammates as well and acknowledging them and the coaching staff of helping them get to, to be recognized by the NBA and being able to be first time participants in the All-Star game. Obviously, we're thrilled for them as an organization, as individual people and what they mean to our team and, uh, teammates' comments have reflected that as well. So it's always nice to have recognition when it's deserved, um, which I do think both of them are very deserving and also a reflection on team results. And we need to keep 
you know, pushing in that direction. But obviously, we're we're thrilled that Donovan and Rudy are going to get their first All Star nods this year. Justin, this is more a comment than it is a question, and I don't even know if I expect you to uh, to, to 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 comment on my comment. But it seems to me that you guys have given this team everything, just about everything it can ask for. The support is there. You know, you saw a need for, for Jordan Clarkson, and so you go out and get him. You made the moves you made in the offseason. Uh, I think Quinn Snyder is one of the most terrific coaches around. Uh, the ownership, uh, the support from the front office, everything is there. And at some point, it seems like it's up to the players to go out and and toughen up and bust their humps out there on the court. Am I being too rough on the players, or uh, is is there some truth to what I'm thinking? Look, we all, Gordon, I, I guess I'll, I'll say this, that we're all um, responsible and committed as a group, and as you've said, you're absolutely right. We've, we've got great support from ownership and um, a committed front office and a certainly committed coaching staff and excellent teachers and mentors and I think a great group of players that have great character but with every group they've got to learn each other which they are and have and they do care and want to come out and compete um, I think you know the results again will tell us you know where we kind of stack up um, you can play really hard and not have the result you want you can play really well not have the result you want you can play really bad or not have a kind of effort but things that overcome and and get a result that you like um but it's more of the processes that that lead to that how we're playing what we're doing how we're getting better um continuing to focus on the things that help us have helped us win in the past you know, sometimes stretches like this are good reminders for everyone, but um, I think, again, the character of the group, they do care about that and are committed to it, and we just kind of keep pushing in that, that direction. And as far as your comments of whether you're being harsh or not, that's your opinion, Gordon. I, I respect it, and <laughs> you absolutely have every right to say whatever you want to say, but I would, I would say that we're, we're committed as a group and, and responsible, all of us on a group for uh, how we perform. I find it fascinating, Justin, the whole idea of putting talent together, but also measuring, like you, you used the word character there about three different times, how important that is to match all that up and to bring it together. And I think character, some people say talent solves everything. I think character is huge so that when you do suffer through a five-game losing streak, what does it mean to the fellows that you have in the locker room? What does it mean? How well how well will they listen to what the coaches tell them to do to bump themselves out of it in the course of a long regular season? It's really up to them at some point. And if they don't have character, then that's not a good recipe. Yeah, certainly, you know, it's a talented group. Um, but in addition, they care. And they care about their coaches, their staff, their people that work with them, um, they care about each other and so you know caring is not just is is not enough they have that in spades and it also gives us a great chance to be able to respond when when we have adversity it's translating that into you know playing with more force and precision and uh executing game plans and playing at a high level and you're not going to always have that in the course of an 82 games season but you always do have opportunities to respond uh opportunities to compete and they embrace that. And uh, like I said, we have another opportunity to compete tonight. Justin, uh, before we let you go, I, I think I've asked you something similar in the past. But, uh, of course, you are a, a trend setter. Your background is in uh, player agent role. And then, of course, you've come on with the Jazz and, and uh, now the general manager. But uh, the Knicks just hired Leon Rose as their new president of basketball operations. He has a, a similar background. Everybody's copying you, Justin. And I guess my question is, uh, what does having that background as a player agent, uh, how does that help you as the general manager and why are other clubs looking to kind of get on that trend? The Lakers, too. Lakers, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, don't forget about a very good one in Bob Myers and Golden State as well. Oh, yeah. He's not bad. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's not bad. Not bad. They've had a good run. Um, <laughs> look, there's there's any time it's almost – I've actually 
use this analogy, and Dennis has actually used this much more than I have from uh, a different subject that we were speaking about. You know, the difference between college basketball and the NBA is sometimes it, it, it's the same sport but a different game. But I think there are all things that you can draw from. So being a former agent and the relationships that you have to have, the knowledge you have of entire markets because you're dealing with all 30 teams uh, on a daily basis, um, insight to players' mindset, um, contacts, and then, you know, in the case of, of a lot of these guys that have come on and they've managed groups, so a corporate setting but a different one. So it's the same sport, but it is an, it is an entirely different game. Um, you're dealing with um, drafting and picking players, uh, managing uh such a huge staff, much more than most agencies. And even though, you know, with Leon, it's coming from CAA, which is a huge group. They're also scattered over many different offices across the world. Um, so there are, there are some things and basis of, of intimate knowledge of the NBA that, that Leon especially brings if, if they end up hiring him in New York. Um, and then there's always things when you kind of switch sides of things to learn and get integrated with you know, I was very, very fortunate to have, you know, as, as I've said before, to have not only the support of the Millers, but great mentorship um, from Kevin O'Connor and Dennis Lindsay to to learn about the things that I don't have, as, didn't have as deep knowledge of, and uh, then also bring certain skill sets and knowledge that, that could benefit the Jazz. Justin, one of the things that I, I really enjoy is different approaches within the game. I mean, there seems to be sometimes some copycat and it goes on. People saying, okay, that's really when the Warriors are winning everything. I was going, okay, let's compile a team like that. But I like kind of different ideas. I don't know whether it works or not, but what, what the Rockets are doing right now with this shorter lineup, I watched the game last night against the Lakers, and as long as they shoot the ball well, they're going to be terrific. I don't know if you can do that consistently, and I'm not asking you necessarily to comment on what another franchise is doing, but did you find that interesting? You know, Mike D'Antoni and, and the guys in Houston have always been – Mike's been a very, I don't know him well personally, uh, respect him from afar, but he's always been one to, to find things that work for the different teams that, and personnel that make sense, again, with the changing league. And so they felt that uh, that's in their best interest to have them with the personnel that they have to give them the best chance to win, uh, short-term, medium-term, long-term. That's, that's what they're going with. It is interesting. You know, you had... Don Nelson back in the day who would who would uh, mess around with small ball lineups and Mike's a very different coach than than Don but there are elements here of using the personnel that they have and, and trying to maximize it and this is the way they felt they've done I I think you'll see it continue uh, you've seen it in maybe not this particular trend continue but you'll see just the game continues to evolve and sometimes that's over a period of four or five years and the explosion of three-point shooting or it's going to be personnel and matchup based or as rules change um, you know back with when you used to have to you know the illegal defenses that have gone away and now more teams are experimenting more with zone defenses and there's a few that think that they've gotten quite good at so are those trends lasting or are those trends um you know, here to stay. Time time will tell, and it also goes with the type of personnel that's coming into the NBA these days as well. Justin, as always, it's a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very, very much for a few minutes. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, good luck to us tonight, and I uh, really appreciate you guys having us, and uh, appreciate the support. Take care. Thanks, Justin. Justin Zanuck, general manager of the Utah Jazz. I thought that was uh, interesting that he said, you know, they. let's say it this way. Those phones are constantly ringing. And just because a deal isn't done at the trade deadline doesn't mean there weren't a hundred different scenarios that were considered. So that's kind of a weird industry from that standpoint, that you can be working your butt off, and then when nothing happens, people think, oh, you didn't do anything. You know, and I wonder how much action was going on, but he essentially said there was nothing out there that would make the Jazz a better team. So that's that's an answer that I think a lot of our listeners were were uh, 
interested in finding out. Justin is such a, a really a fascinating person. Uh, he, he's so smart, as you know, uh, Gordon. I mean, he, he comes off in his interviews super smart, and if you talk to him in person, it, it might be ten times that he's he's just a he's a really sharp guy. But I. I think the background of the player agent mm-hmm. is is really interesting, and it might be the first smart move the New York Knicks have done in a long time. But <laughs> but here's the thing: like Justin is a very people person. Like you can tell he's a good networker. Yeah, he probably knows a lot. That phone of his probably has a lot of contacts oh, in yeah. there. But the advantage I would see of hiring somebody who has experience on that side is you know the move, you know the ins and outs, you know the movement, you know how it works, mm-hmm. and not that. You know, your traditional NBA exec doesn't necessarily, but having it's almost like uh, almost like Chase Hansen switching over to safety from quarterback. You've seen the quarterback side of it. You know how that works and how to best play both sides or play it to your advantage. I, I've always liked that idea of hiring somebody from that background. Now, like anything else, I think you've got to find the right person. But I bet you Justin is really good at what he does because of all the lessons that he's learned throughout his career. Yeah, it's like anybody in any industry. Think about think about your workplace, wherever you work. Uh, in, in my business, as far as writers go, writers always appreciate an editor that was once a writer. Because they know what it's like to write on deadline pressure. They know what the limitations are, you know, as opposed to somebody who just barks out orders and right. no matter how. Uh, uh, you know, doable it is. So it's nice for uh, for Justin to have had that experience. And you're right; it is a trend in the NBA. People are following that, and I think I think uh, the Jazz, Dennis, and and everybody are pretty happy with having Justin Zanuck in the fold. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I I think part of their motivation, and um, if not all of their motivation, for making the the front office shift that they made in the off season last year was. Justin's some demand there. I mean, he almost, uh, of course, got the Milwaukee Bucks job. He probably should have. And he's been up for a couple of others. And I'm sure the Jazz kind of adjusted things because they wanted to give him what he's earned, a general manager uh, title. But they don't want him going anywhere. And so when Justin says that uh, they considered, uh, and I think I'm probably putting words in his mouth, but essentially that they looked across the landscape and decided to stand pat, that they made their move with Jordan Clarkson, and that's what they wanted to stay with. I I believe that, and I think he's right. Uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of what the possibilities were, but I have no problem with the way the Jazz handled this. Remember last year, I was the one clamoring for the Jazz to make all sorts of moves. You remember that? I do. I think Dennis wanted to punch me in the mouth there. I think he did. (laughs) But, But this time around... As the Jazz are trying to integrate these various pieces, remember half the team was new at the start of the season, and they're still trying to get Mike Conley in a place of comfort with the rest of the team and with all the things that we talk about all the time, with what Joe Ingles' role is going to be in Bogdanovich's and, and how does Donovan fit into that in the right way, and then you got to utilize Rudy as well. You have these new things that are going on. Why? How is adding more newness to that equation going to make it better? It could make it a lot worse. It it could. But it, I I bet you this was um, one of the easier type of interviews for Justin after a trade deadline. Because in in all honesty, what move was out there for the Jazz? Yeah. They 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 pushed a lot of their chips into the middle when they acquired Mike Conley, and then they used their salary cap flexibility on Boyan Bogdanovich, and then they used what's left of their salary cap flexibility on. Uh, on uh, Jordan Clarkson and Royce O'Neal. I mean, they've 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 made their move. There's not a whole lot that they could have done. They could have moved Ed Davis somewhere, but look at look at the rest of the trades. Yeah, I mean, there were there were not a lot of useful pieces that really changed hands, and certainly not useful in the the price range that the Jazz would have been looking. They were they were getting Marquise Morris. They weren't that right. they weren't going to be in that sweepstakes. There, there are some quote unquote critics who have thought the Jazz need more talent. And talent is always increase in talent is is almost always good. Uh, I mean, yeah. But sometimes there are these other elements that come into play. And I think the Jazz are good enough. I think they're talented enough. I think they have to get their stuff together so that those players are in concert on the floor. That's the biggest challenge moving forward now 
is getting everybody comfortable and acclimated to what they should do on the floor. And over these last five games, we've seen times when that just wasn't the case. Now, we've seen times, in subsets inside those games where it has been the case for short periods of time, but it has not been sustained. So... I don't think rupturing that is a good idea. I think it, 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 refining it and, and giving it more time and uh, continuing to teach and continuing to coach and continuing to get these guys in the roles they need to be absolutely uh, acclimated to, that is the key here for this team now, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, Gordon, for once, for once, you're kind of right on the money. For once. I don't even get a laugh out of that. I'm, you know, kind of giving you credit. I thought that was kind of funny. That kind of or it. completely? Com- kind of. Why? Where am I wrong? All right, listen, if you want to say talent is an issue, like comparing the Jazz to the Clippers and saying the Jazz are not going to have the best player on the floor, talent's an issue, right? But you're not going to trade for Kawhi Leonard at the, right. at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly something that you can just go out and fix. Like, I know. We'll hand you Ed Davis and you'll give us LeBron. So that's a, that's a talent issue that wasn't solvable maybe ever unless you draft that player. Maybe Donovan Mitchell turns out to be that player. I don't know. But you, I think you get my sense. So they still have a talent issue from that, from that angle. However, I think you're on the money. When I look at why the Jazz have lost five straight, or why the Jazz, uh, you know, it's not talent. It's not top to bottom. They're not, the Jazz are not less talented than the Nuggets. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't think that the Jazz are less talented than the Rockets. Truly believe that. Right now, fit is the problem. It's not fitting. Stuff isn't fitting together. And so that's what needs to be fixed. I, I think you're right. So what it's like is it's like when you buy a pair of shoes and they're a little too tight. You ever done that? Uh, sure. Have you? It's, it does, it's, it's does un- it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't fit right at first. It's uh-huh. uncomfortable. Okay. It's squeezing your foot. Uh-huh. But then if you wear it a little bit, then it starts to open up and, and form to your foot, right? Or you can, can't you get those things, those uh, wooden things that you put in your shoe, you crank them and it... It creates more space. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. You ever use those? No. I haven't either. I always do it the hard way. I just stick my big old foot in there and just have that make the room. But once they're comfortable, in fact, these shoes I have on right now are a perfect example of that. In, in another two weeks, they are going to be the best shoes, and they are going to fit my foot the, the, just perfectly. And I know this because I had a pair of J3s back in the day, and I went through the same process back then, and now I'm doing it now. And when these things are totally broken in, then I won't take them off. I'll just keep them on every single day. What's, uh, what's the most expensive pair of shoes you buy? Oh. Uh, because I'm, I'm, pic- I'm picturing you with some manatee skin boots or something. That... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it, it was probably it was a long time ago. I got some nice Italian leather shoes that uh, that I wouldn't buy now, but I bought them back then. No shoes were comfortable. <laughs> but I turned my back on another pair of shoes that were even more expensive than those that I just could not get myself to that point. Although I love those shoes, I would have loved to have owned them. But I, I, these are the shoes that I love the most of any. Uh, Athletic shoes I've ever had. It's expensive being rich. I, I love these. Live from Larry. These Schiller, were a gift, by the way. Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy, 10905 mm-hmm. South Automall Drive. That from who? John Wooden? No, this, these were from Somebody my... that wanted to, you know, put Gordon in a good mood. A, a, uh, the fiance of my one of my daughters. Yeah, yeah, we get we see what he was doing and it worked. It worked perfectly. It sure did. Are you kidding me? Every time I put these on, I think, oh, thanks. <laughs> I think fondly of him. Yeah, uh, it worked. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Big thanks to Justin Zanuck for jumping on with us today. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty of the zone.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Some quick uh, college football news, Gordon, we haven't had a chance to talk about today. Uh, Utah quarterback safety, well, not a Ute anymore. Jason Shelley. He's a quarterback, darn it. Is uh, putting his name into the transfer, transfer portal. He has two years to play two. And he's going somewhere else, and yeah, I, th- I don't blame him. It would look like he wants to play quarterback, and well, he is. He's a good quarterback. Remember, I mean, when he first took over for Tyler Huntley, he was throwing the ball better than Tyler was at that point. He beat Oregon. He was spinning it. He's and proven he can. I, I th- yeah, I think he can win somewhere. He's proven he can win football games at a high level. Maybe he he wasn't as good as Tyler Huntley. Maybe he's not as good as Jake Bentley. Maybe he's not as good as Cam Rising. I mean, we even saw Drew Lisk beat him out at some point. But he he's good enough. He can go somewhere and win. And maybe he's not Andy Ludwig's cup of tea. Obviously, he's not. Mm-hmm. But I don't blame him for not wanting to, to switch positions. I mean, maybe safety would have really worked for him and he could get a shot in the NFL. But he thinks he's good enough at quarterback to play somewhere else. And I, I wouldn't disagree with him. How do you think that went down? Do you think well, he was a, he was a good soldier there? He w- was willing to give it a try. And then he just decided because safeties are really quarterbacks of the defense. I don't but know, it, but it's obviously a whole different role. I don't know. I, I maybe he put his toe in the water and didn't like it. Maybe he didn't want to quit on his team. Yeah, you know. Well, thought, he definitely wanted to play quarterback. We know that. And Jake, no big deal. Let the let the man go play quarterback. If I were him, though, here's the problem: he's going to have to sit out a year if he goes somewhere D one because apparently he has not graduated yet, so he's mm-hmm. not a grad transfer. Well, he's still got two years, though. It's not. I, like... if, I'd go play. I honestly, I'd go play FCS. I'd get Jay Hill on the horn and go play at Weber, or, or you know, um, where's Shelley from? Texas. I mean, I, I'm sure he could find an opportunity at the FCS uh, level somewhere. Go ball out, put up some video game numbers, and then. You know, go take over somewhere at a at a D one program, and I don't know if if he he could make it Pac twelve level, but probably, you know, you look at a team in the Mountain West, or you look at a team, you know, maybe at, at a group of five level, and he could go in and play some more. But if I if I were him, I'd make it a priority to play. Yeah, I would too. And and he'll if it's a D one thing, like you said, he'll sit out. But that's okay. He still has, and if I'm a coach out there and I see a talent like that available and I've struggled at that position, I would give that kid a chance, wouldn't you? Yep. And I don't blame Utah, by the way. Uh, I, I don't think that this has to be a, a negative story from any perspective. Andy Ludwig makes his own judgments on, on his quarterbacks, and you know what? That's a really important decision. You can't blame a guy for, you know, when his butt's on the line and his job's on the line, making the decision. You know, going with the players he wants to go with. I certainly don't blame him for that. And sometimes it's not automatically right or wrong. Uh, it can be an opinion. Yep. And, and it might be just a flavor that he particularly likes. And another coach would think a different way. And I think Jason Shelley can make a name for himself. I don't know how, what the limit of his, of his talent is, but uh, I, I would like watching. I would pay attention to wherever he goes just to see what he ends up doing. But I think uh, Jake Bentley, I, I would bet he's going to be your starter come day one. Is that just because of the relationship with uh, with Andy Ludwig? That's that's the direction I'd lean. Just he didn't recruit Cam Rising, and I know folks go, "Oh, that doesn't matter." It does. Well, it doesn't matter. It it, it, it matters to some extent, but. Uh, I think if it, the style is, is, is in the ballpark and the talent is greater, you got to go with the more talented guy, Jake, or else you create all kinds of, all kinds of questions within a program. Like, the players know who the better players are, I think. See, I think that they would have just ridden it out with Cam Rising if they believed in his potential. And, and by the way, I'm just, I'm, I'm just talking off the top of my head. I'm not going on any inside information in this particular case, but I'm just reading the tea leaves here. Hmm. Because Utah's going to have the youngest team in the country next year, or close. They're losing the most. There was literally an article about that today. They're losing the most out of any college football team in the whole country. Is that so right? they're going to be wow. unbelievably young next year. And you think, I would, you think uh, that Andy Ludwig is looking at senior leadership? I would go with the young guy if if I believed the young guy had a future, much like they went with uh, with Tyler Huntley over um, Troy Williams. 
they knew they had a young team they could grow together and make some mistakes. They didn't have to win it all that year. I mean, next year there's not going to be a lot of pressure on the Ute team. People get it. So you think bringing in Jake is an indication that uh, rising is uh, is uh, done for? I don't know about done for, but I don't know if they view him as the heir apparent. Hmm. All right. I just think that uh, an offensive coordinator wants as many quarterbacks he can get. I agree. Because guys get hurt. They do. Yeah, but and Bentley didn't come in here to ride the pine. And they could put rising in to grow as a— Well, what I'm saying is that even if they bring in Bentley and they le- allow him to be the starter, that doesn't mean necessarily that, that, that Cam Rising doesn't have a future at Utah. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. And that's why I'm saying I'm reading the tea leaves here. But if I had a young team anyway— and I had a chance to get a young quarterback on the field and have him develop with that young team because I wasn't all that worried about winning games. And when I say that, I'm not saying Utah can go out there and have a two-win season, but nobody's going to expect them to win the division next year. Right. I mean, well, at least nobody who's truly paying attention to well, what's going on there's on that Well, there's two ways of looking at that, Jake. One is that you're still going to try and win as many games as you can, and if you have a young team, it helps to have an experienced quarterback as opposed to throwing the young quarterback out there with a young team. Now you get the double whammy, and you end up winning two or three games. But I think you want, when you have a team, like this year is, a, is the perfect example, you know, especially when you're Utah where you're not going to recruit the best quarterback in the country every year. You're going to probably have to develop somebody. You want your upperclassman season quarterback to coincide with the rest of your roster, or at least as much as you can. Like, Utah did not want a freshman quarterback or a sophomore quarterback or whatever with this year's team. That could have been a disaster. You have all this, all this talent and you waste it uh, because you don't have a young uh, – you don't have a quarterback that's ready to go? I think you got to – these next year – I don't know. And, and Ludwig and Coach Witt know more than I do. But. It's just a one-year – even, even if, uh, if it is Jake who gets it, then that's just a one-year bridging of the gap. Didn't the Utes recruit a really kind of an up-and-coming quarterback as well? I forget the kid's name now. Yeah. But anyway. But he's a he's a redshirt sophomore. I mean, uh, Cam Rising is. He's basically the same age that Tyler Huntley was, right? Yeah. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to watch. I mean, you said you think it's going to go a certain way. That doesn't mean that's the way it's going to go. We'll uh, have to wait and see. But what you're saying is that one has a slight advantage over the other. Uh, I'm not using the word slight. You're pretty sure about this whole thing, oh, yeah. Huh? Okay. You're, well, a, so. you're a quarterback at an SEC school, and you can go anywhere you want in the country. You're not going somewhere to sit. Okay. You agree with me. You, I know you, you agree you, with me. You think the promise was made? Um, I mean, maybe not, uh, you know, in plain language, but there's probably a wink, wink, nod, nod in there. Or at very least, let me, let me put it this way. If you're... If you're Jake Bentley's dad or coach or whoever's helping him through this process, you're asking about what the situation is. You're saying, okay, you got a young player there. Uh, this guy he, from Texas, highly recruited, you know, a lot of buzz. So let, give me the lowdown. You're asking that question. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Andy Ludwig has to take truth serum and say, ah, oh, yeah, don't bring your kid here because he's not going to start. He might just say, oh, yeah, okay, if he wants to come here and compete, or that might be what he's really thinking. If a coach, if I were in Jake Bentley's situation or in, and I was advising him and a coach said, hey, you can come in and compete, I'd say, <laughs> all right, have a nice day. Uh, well, wait me, a minute. They, they, so you're suggesting, give me Michigan State on the phone. You're suggesting that Andy Ludwig has to lie. Who's or has to make who it, said he lied? Well, you're saying he has to rush to judgment and come up with a conclusion right there on the spot in order to get this guy in. I'm seeing Andy Ludwig says, hey, listen, well, watch me wink while I'm saying this. <laughs> Jake has a really great chance of winning this competition. I don't think there needs to be a wink. There has to be a wink. No. Or, there, or he's going somewhere else. No, yes. he's not. He's going somewhere else because you would too. Because he does. He's not going somewhere to sit. So you're suggesting that he has to make a promise. In yeah, sure. If if you want to put it that cut and dry, yeah. Hmm. If I were Cam Rising and that were the case, I think I'd 
I'd be looking at uh, speed dialing maybe myself. See, but that's the beauty of it all because they have Cam rising by the the short hairs because he already <laughs> sat out. A, he already sat out a year to transfer. Which hairs would be the short hairs? You Jake? know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> because he can't go anywhere. They're the ones on the back of your neck, right? <laughs> he hasn't graduated. He already sat out a year. He's not going anywhere. He can't. That's the disadvantage of doing what he did. So then they can recruit over the top of him, and there's really nothing he can do about it. Mm, there's something he could do. Right. But, uh, I mean, he'd have to be prepared to do it. Okay. Well, I, okay. Well, they could bring Jake in and have him play for a year and then turn it over to Cam Rising. That for, could happen. For, yeah. you know. But why not do it now when your team's going to be young and not particularly good anyway? Because nobody wants to lose, you know, nine games. They're probably going to do – well, they're not going to lose. I don't think they're going to lose nine games. But, they're. I mean, they're not going to be terrific either way. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's interesting. I don't – I'm. what I'm saying is and what I'm suggesting is that a conclusion has not been necessarily drawn. And you're saying a conclusion has been drawn on the matter. I bet it's pretty close. <laughs> And I think you're still. Uh, has someone told you this? No, I think you're living in your hundred acre wood, though. Maybe like, I am. He transferred here to compete. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna go out there you're, and earn it. See, so what? What you're suggesting is that uh, Bentley's camp is over there going. Unless we get an absolute guarantee, we're not bringing them to your place. Yes, because you're gonna get that guarantee somewhere else. Are you really? Uh, yes. At a quality program? How long have you been around the college sports? You know this to be true, just like I do. Maybe maybe at a dumpy program, but not necessarily <laughs> okay. at a quality one. <laughs> Who's being naive here? You are. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're gonna have... I believe in competition. I believe in open competition. I believe in waiting. Not rushing to judgment on what a quarterback can do. And maybe Cam Rising can, like his name suggests, rise to the occasion. All right, Gordon. Uh, let's, I'm going to be uh, Jake Bentley. You be, you be Andy Ludwig. Okay. All right. <clears throat> hey, 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 Coach, what, what are my chances uh, of starting? Well, I think I've been very impressed with your abilities, and I've seen you on the field. And I think Wait, I'm going to hold you right there, I, Coach I, Ludwig. I I'm going to have to really, ask you to leave. Hey, <laughs> Wait a minute. I have to ask you to come leave. on. Ludwig's going to tell him to take a hike. You know what? You know what? Hold, the, hold that, Coach. Uh, I've got Chip Kelly from UCLA on the other <laughs> line. He says I can start tomorrow. So you're going to have to go somewhere else. Okay, go to UCLA and get your blood beat every week. Am I going to be playing? I, I I don't think. Yes, I am. Thank you're, you, Coach. You are, have a you, good you, you day, are giving, sir. You are giving the quarterback way too much power. That's that's how it works. Do you want to land the recruit or not? You want to land him, but you don't want to genuflect in that manner. Okay. Oh, I'll hold it right there, Coach. <laughs> See ya. No, any love is not going to put up with that BS. Gordon, I've got a I've got a nickel to sell you. <laughs> It, it, For a dime, it, it, it once belonged. It once belonged to Paul Newman, <laughs> and for only three hundred dollars, it could be yours. Stay tuned. Oh, More next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. What the Jazz are finding out is getting to that optimal level with consistency has a rude awakening when you are no longer one of those teams on the outside looking in. You know? Do you see anybody talking with Donovan Mitchell anymore after games? Now it's different. It's like, hey, you're good. You don't need me to talk to you. I need to go out and destroy you now. Like, you're on your own, dude. When you're in these positions trying to get to the ultimate optimal level of winning and you have the roster that is capable of it too, oh man, are teams coming after you. It's different and it's eye-opening when you become a marked or targeted team and, yes. and you, you show up on the map and everyone looks at you and goes, okay, you're legitimate and now I'm going to go out there and find a way to beat you and you are every single night somebody's number one priority. Yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It seems to me that maybe Pretty much always means no. So don't tell me you might 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Jeep Dodge Ram, 10905 South Automall Drive in the Southtown Automall. Find your deals at lhmdeals.com or simply drop on by. It's their President's Day sales event and employee pricing plus. Never a better time to get yourself into a Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. They have a huge selection, uh, great non-commissioned sales force, and they'll take great care of you. Yep. That's what they've done for me when I've bought cars here. Uh, think the Jazz get off the mat tonight, Gordon? I have to believe this is going to happen sooner. Or, you know, it's, it's got to happen. And uh, are the Jazz a better team than the Blazers? Yeah, I think they are. So I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, uh, it's time. Okay. Uh, second night of a back-to-back for Portland, but as we know, that hasn't exactly mattered. Nope. Uh, over the last several games. For no, the if they, even if they're playing with six players, it probably wouldn't matter. Right? So, you know, you certainly can't count on that. I I think we saw a better defensive performance against Denver. I'm expecting a better defensive performance tonight against Portland. I think the instruction that Quinn Snyder has been neck deep in over the past few days has continued. And at some point, uh, that message is going to click. And the Jazz, now they just have to be poised in executing it. I mean, they had every intention or had every possibility of winning that game against Denver the other night, and they they collapsed in the clutch. And uh, that has not really been their mo, mo, M.O. this year. Yeah. You know, they're usually pretty solid through that period. And we saw Donovan Mitchell struggle, and uh, he's been a, a fine closer, uh, and that was the opposite. So I, I would expect it to flip back here pretty quick, and might as well start tonight. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Color analyst for Utah Jazz TV broadcast, Matt Harpring. Where's your level of concern right now? It's not high. It is tilting toward concern. Just because you, you got, what, 32 games left, and you want to stay away from that fifth spot. That's the spot that I think you want to try to do everything you can to get away from that. And so you can't afford to lose too many games because the West, the top six, those teams are going to be in it every single day, and you're going to be jogging for playoff spots. So, But if you just look at the last five, these are some winnable games that the Jazz have given away. You might can kind of say, okay, one of the games or two of the games, but when you do five in a row, there's more than just a little bit of the X and O's. There's a little bit of that effort thing that I was talking to you about earlier as well. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Big thanks to Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram here in Sandy for hosting the show. Uh, they're always great to us. Well, yeah, one of my favorite car stores. Uh, and I've, I've proven that through the business I've given them. You're a the... car guy. You know what you're talking about yep. here. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is just a terrific place to buy a car. So we like coming here. We do. We do like coming here. It's been a fun day. It has been. We interviewed Justin Zanuck. Up at 1280thezone.com or wherever you find your podcast. Download that. He was terrific. We interviewed Howard Beck. Also terrific. And we put up with each other. We did. I, I think I, I've decided what you look like in your, your uh, whatever color that is, color scheme. What? You remind me of like a, a tongue depressor. A tongue depressor? Like a popsicle stick. <laughs> like a craft what? stick. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Did you, did you send that out? No, 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 I didn't. I'll or maybe it. even even better, Austin, maybe a hot dog on a stick. Ah, like a corn dog even? Right, but, you know, maybe the... the With Dijon the, mustard on it. Indeed. Ah, a little great poupon. Would you happen to have any? Man, aren't, con- aren't corn dogs the best? I don't know. Uh, corn dogs? Are so oh, yes. Good. I love a good corn dog. With, really? with rice sauce. mustard. Oh, you I, like I, rice I, sauce? I need to give that another shot. I've never been a corn dog guy. And I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll, I'll give them the free plug, the, the hot dog on a stick. I don't know what they put in their corn dog batter, are, are but those, it's different. Are those the the, the, uh, the workers wear those goofy uniforms? They're like rainbow uniforms. Well, yeah, they rude. have the lemonade that is just unbelievable. Lemonade? Have you not had the hot no. dog on a stick lemonade? No. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Is it better than the Chick-fil-A uh, lemonade shake? No, no. The, the, but, fro- uh, the frozen lemonade? No, not better yeah. than that, no. 
Oh, man. Come on, Austin. That's no, but they're, they're different. One's that. frozen with ice cream and one's just a lemonade. They're both, they're both great. I do like lemonade. You know who you also know. has a great corn dog? Arctic Circle. And they've okay. got the best fry sauce in town. Agreed. Corn dogs, really? I mean, I've had like one corn dog in my life, and it was a long time ago. Let me guess. It was on Balboa, Balboa Island with the dipped uh, cones, geez. and Olivia Newton-John was with you. We can't all live on caviar, Gordon. You know, you've had one corn dog in your life. Yeah, uh, I mean, really. I went to a hot dog on a stick once, and you know who was working behind the counter, Jake? Taylor Swift and I said, you know, you ought to, you've got a great voice. You ought to look into writing music. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, well, they don't that was, have, that was a smart uh, career choice on her part. They don't have corn if dogs I do say so myself. I, <laughs> <laughs> corn dogs really good? Corn dogs are amazing. I'll try one. How are we convincing you that... Where do I go? You know what where, else where, is can good? I mean, can Cold I buy cereal. a corn dog at a grocery store? I, well, yes. You eat corn dog <laughs> They're not there, as but good? I, but they stop at hot dog and a stick on the way home. Where's a hot dog at and a stick? Mall. Where do you think what they mall? are? Have Any your butler mall. go get one. <laughs> Have you never been to the mall? It's been a There's while. a hot dog on a stick in literally every mall. That's the only reason there are malls anymore. Agreed. Really? Any mall. Any mall. You name it. Stop it. Stop Hot it. Hot dog on a stick. And is it a corn dog proper? Yeah. yeah stop it. We're, we're just in the name. Walk from Southtown. Yeah. Can yeah, there it is in the name. Thank you, Austin. It's it's a like, have, do they have hot dog on a stick? Not a corn dog on a stick. Do they have corn dogs and a hot dog on do, a do stick? Do they deliver? <laughs> do they deliver? Jeez. Can you get a, like a six pack? You know that Southtown Mall is like right there. Like I can see it. Yeah, it is there. It's been a while since I've been to the ball. <laughs> You know? This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is unbelievable. What? No, you guys I, go to the mall all the time and no. order up hot dogs? No, but how well? I mean, Have what you ever had saltwater taffy? On? It's good, too. Yeah, darn right. What about, you yeah, ever try toast? Hot dog on a stick has been a staple at pretty much every mall in America since, what, the 70s? I'm, I'm more, aware? I'm more I, I stuck just, on the fact he's had one corn dog in his 93 years on Earth. That's unbelievable. I've been missing out, apparently. I'm going to give that a whirl. Next time I see one, I'm going to say, "Give me, can, can I eat two or just one? Or what? Are they filling? <laughs> so are they filled with cheese? <laughs> oh my god! You can get cheese on a stick at Hot Dog on a Stick. You can. Uh-huh. Is it stick on there, or does they, it like drip like all a, over? Like a stick of cheese, and then they batter it, and then they deep fry. Now that's you Gordon's. It. That's that's that's, right that's up your alley. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it's right up your alley. All right. Is it greasy? Oh, you know, yeah. I, I like deep fried cheese. I tell you, Jake, have you ever had it? <laughs> I did buy some uh, hot dogs once that had the gourmet cheese uh, pumped into them. Yes, we've heard and, this so uh, many times. You know, you know I, what, Austin? We we may maybe have made a, a huge mistake here because if we introduce Gordon to that cheese on a stick at hot dog on a stick, <laughs> then honestly, his Gordon, days are numbered. You're gonna. You're gonna. You like cheese so much. You're gonna shorten your lifespan. Maybe it's no. I only like. I only like good cheese. This is amazing. This. This definitely. It's not that cheese whiz stuff. No. 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 This would do you right. Real cheese, really. You should not try it. All right. And what kind of sauce are you dipping? I like the mustard myself, but you know whatever. Whatever. I mean, there's a hot dog. Whatever gets you through the day. Yeah. All right. Awesome. What sauce are you going? I like the fry sauce. Like I told you, it's terrific. Okay. All right. What a productive last segment. Uh, coming up next, Jazz Game Night I think, game I, I think you guys have been overly impressed with the corn dog. I, I'm, 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 it's hard for yes, me to Yes, because we've had more than one. I, I think you've had one in your life. I honestly think you should revoke your American citizenship. <laughs> is it a, a rite of passage? I honestly I mean? think that you, you, you can no longer vote if you've only had one corn dog in your life. Here, here. I, th- I think you guys are overstating it, really. I mean, if it had been that good, I would have found out about it a long time You know ago. how I know that you're not voting for Bernie Sanders? You've only had <laughs> one corn dog in your life. <laughs> yeah, everybody who votes for Bernie Sanders wants to they borrow the money so they can go buy a corn dog. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, big thanks to Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge, Ram, Jazz pregame coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 <laughs> The Zone. Free corn dogs? 